Good morning. Glad you guys are here. Um, kind of excited to preach this message this morning. Um, pray with me one more time, if you would. God, thank you so much for uh, today. Thank you for those that you've gathered in this time and this place to to come together to to worship you, to study your word, to just be together, Father. I, I thank you for this opportunity for these moments for us to be together today. Um, Lord, I pray for uh, our, our thoughts. I, I pray that you would um, guide our thoughts, Father. I pray you would remind us of the gospel in, uh, in this message, in your scripture, in our lives, and in the tragic story that kind of forms the context of what we're talking about this morning, Father. I, I pray that your gospel would be known. And Lord, for us, as we... Um, as we seek to, to know and understand you, Father, just I, I pray that you would highlight the beauty of the work and sacrifice and love and grace and mercy of your son and his gospel story, Father. I pray you would center our hearts and minds around that notion, that idea. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Um, so as, uh, as Kelly read, we're in Romans 12, and as Dave mentioned at the beginning this morning, uh, it, the, the context for the, the sermon this morning is the, the life and, and death and response of the church to those things of uh, Megan Johnson. And I realize that there's a, a good percentage of you who, who never met Megan, um, but uh, I want you to... I want you to know that this morning's sermon, this morning's message, this morning's vision is, um, uses her story as the context, but the reality is that the depth, the reality of, of what we're going to talk about and think about this morning is the gospel. Um, because there's, uh, it's hard, her story, to understand the, the depth of the sadness of of a mom desperately wanting to be a mother and finally being a mother and um, all of her heart transplant difficulties and her life to be gone just a few hours after her baby was born. That's tragic in every way. Um, but the, the beauty of the story and, and the beauty of the gospel is the cross and the work of Christ brings redemption to the most difficult and tragic and awful of stories. Um, so to, to allow that to be the context that we, that we speak and preach the gospel, I think is perfect for us because wherever we find ourselves in, in the spectrum of life is good, life is hard, or somewhere in between, or uh, I'm, I'm feeling deeply connected to God, or I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling far from God, wherever you are, the message of the tragedy that is what we're talking about, the context this morning at the end of it is redemption. Um, and at the end of, of our story, at the end of the difficulty, whatever it is that you're pressing through or, or facing or the joy of what you're facing, it's, a, it's an opportunity to see and proclaim the gospel to yourself, to those that you love and around you, and then the, other, the bigger context that those are around you. So that's kind of the, the, the idea here. Um, and 
the church, I think this, this phrase that I want to kind of proclaim over us this morning, the church becomes the manifestation of the gospel in times like these, and when it does, there is beauty. Let me say that again. The church becomes the manifestation of the gospel in times like these, and when it does, there is beauty. I think this is a kind of a postulate that I've had in my brain for a while. I think that people that are, are dedicated to following their life, following, patterning their life after Christ and, and seeking him with all that they are, I think on the surface, we can be beastly. This, the title of this series is Beauty and the Beast. At, like we can, on the surface, we can do ugly, we can be ugly, and in the mundane day-to-day life, we can gossip, we can do bad things to each other, and, and the church can be an ugly place. And we've talked in the series already that a lot of us are here in this place and call North Church their home because of ugly stuff that's happened in other churches, and you found some peace here. And, and that's the truth, but I be, like, I'm, I'm convinced. I, I postulated before the death of Megan Johnson that on the surface, that's where we can hurt each other. But when we get deeper, when we get to the fabric and the core, when, when we're shaken to our cores, the response of those who call Christ Lord is beautiful. Um, and I want to just proclaim that. Um, two things before we get into the, the heart of, of Romans 12 that I want to bring out is, is first is we have a chance here to be the gospel. Like that, I've, I've begun to use this phrase a lot. That's knee-buckling to me. To think that, that Christ in his ultimate plan of the gospel has decided to use you and I to literally be the gospel in our context and in our lives. The story is the gospel and its redemptive power and how it changes people. Um, and it gives us a chance to go and, and be that. Think about, like, for those of you who know Megan, this would be easier to, to connect with. For those of you who don't, think about a loved one that, that has been lost and, like, the longing of your heart to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring joy, to bring love, to bring, like, future vision to that situation, think about that. Like when you're at a funeral, what do you want to, and, and it's a funeral of somebody a, that are a, a loved one or a family is, is left behind that you just, you, you just really love that family. What do you want to do there? What do you want to bring? What do you think about? Like when you're walking through the line to shake hands and, and you're saying, I hope I don't say something stupid. I just want to, I just want to bring hope. I just want to bring peace. I just want to bring strength, something. And think about that, those notions. That's all gospel. Like what, what naturally flows out of you in times of difficulty and hardship, if you're connected to Christ, is gospel. And, and I want like, I want to shine a light on that in us. As we, probably half of you were here last night, right over there serving the family and just watching the reality of you being the gospel. It's incredible. Um, and then the second thing is the church is, is beauty or beast. When it's beast, it's awful and repulsive. And when it's beauty, it's perfect. Um, 
And, and the church, this is last night, um, as I, I kind of sat on the stage as the night was kind of coming to an end, and there were, I, I don't know, what do we count, 85 or 90, something like that, people that were there. Um, I'm just kind of sitting on the stage. We're about to start cleaning up, and the family's kind of chatting and dispersing, and they're up from their tables. And just watching, there, there's this spread of generational difference. There's a spread of, of even theological difference. And there's this spread of, like, geographic distance. But there's this warmth of family. And I knew, like, seven or eight of the people that were there, of those 85. But there's this warmth of, of family that's the reality that's there. And that's the beauty of the church, because the church is not just these people gathered in this place, in this season, in this time. We've got, I've got old, old friends that are here that I, I, I see once a year. And, and like, we're part of the church together. You guys go to different churches, but we're part of the same body of Christ. And it's, it's, it's beautiful when it is um, acting as it was created to act. And um, I, I just want to highlight that. Uh, two things, that I want to quote two people. Um, the first is, Kathy Moss, she is Megan's mom. She posted this on Facebook this week. Uh, it says, A dear friend texted me yesterday to remind me of Moses' friends that held up his arms during the battle. All of you have been so faithful to hold us up during this difficult time in our life. Again, our friends and family are showing how beautifully the body of Christ operates. Please continue to pray for us as we walk through this uncharted territory. I want, like, that's reading that makes you get emotional, makes you get warm and fuzzy and say, oh, isn't that sweet? But I want you to see deeper than the emotion that's there. I want you to see the beauty of a mom mourning the loss of her, of her daughter. I can't fathom what that must be like. A mom mourning that loss is so affected by the church, God's design, God's plan to, to manifest the gospel in the world. She's so affected that she takes the time to say it publicly are showing beautifully how the body of Christ operates. And it's, it's not just like beautifully how the body of Christ operates. The body of Christ, what did Jesus come to this earth to bring? Hope, peace, joy, love, family. What, all of that stuff that, that we know Christ came to bring to this earth, Kathy is saying she experiences in the form of other people. And it's, it's the gospel. Um, Kyle, who's been a part of this church forever, said this uh, in, in a text to a group of friends. He said, acquaintances find out what you need and help if it's convenient. Friends drop everything and help. Find friends like the friends I have. Your prayers and texts and kind words are felt and needed. Thanks. This is the beauty of the church. This is... Like, do you realize that this is what God decided was the best way to get his gospel out? That is, is you. As you gather around as a church and as you gather around as, as friends that, that have difference, differences of theology, differences of geography, differences of, of generation, we have these differences, but the commonality is, is Christ. Um. Let's dig into our scripture. Romans 12. 
verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers, I, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Like, I haven't ever seen the Jesus in this passage like I have this week. Read through that again with the, with the light of, like, understanding the desire to bring hope and joy and love and peace to a mourning family, being what Christ brought to you. See that, like, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's Jesus. Romans 12.1 is just say, be like Jesus. Your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Christ, and he is our model of service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say that everyone among you not think not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Pride and self-interest are at odds with the mission of the church. Let me say that again. Pride and self-interest are at odds with the mission of the church. It's so easy to see that in this context. And like when we, when we engage someone who's mourning and just felt a difficult loss, it's so easy to see that this is not about me. It's about them. What can I bring to this person? What character trait of that Christ has given to me and intends for me to live out into them? What can I bring to this person? It's so easy to see that in this context. And it's it's not a mistake that the, the last few days we've seen the beauty of the church rise up. And, and all I'm hearing from the Moss family is, is how beautiful the church has been in this context. It's so easy to see because the church is operating the way it's intended to operate. And it, it's, it's not a, it, it's, we're coming, we, we don't need to come with, with any sort of self-interest or pride. It's just innate in us to realize that that's ridiculous in this context. But the lesson is the church always, always operates in its fullness, the way that it was intended to to be in its most beautiful state, not in times of tragedy, but when people are being who they're called to be. So every relationship that we engage within the church and without the church and, and in a particular church or in a global church, as we act with a complete lack of pride and self-interest, we are beautiful because it's Jesus. Like, every t- everything I'm saying here just reminds me of, of Jesus so much. Like, what I long to be for, like, Kyle and Mandy are my closest friends in the midst of this tragedy. What I long to be for them is exactly what Jesus is for my heart. It's, and, and the, the beautiful part, even deeper here, is that this is, it's not just a church thing. It's not just a Christian thing. It's an image of God. There are people outside of the church who are mourning with the family and, and understand that this is tragic. The image of God is in us. Um, 
I want to share one more quote. This comes from a friend of mine named Randy Riggs. Some of you guys might remember Randy. He and his wife were missionaries here in the St. Louis area, I don't know, four or five years ago. and moved back to Indianapolis four or five years ago, um, and we've kind of stayed in contact. I, I, I never knew Randy very well. We, we kind of exchanged some missionary sort of stuff together, and he was some close friends of some other friends, and uh, he, knew, he knows Kyle and Mandy. And um, it's a picture of the global church. Um, separated by geography, but connected in Christ. He says to me in an email, Hey brother, so shocked to see the news about Megan. Just wanted to let you know that we will be keeping you in our prayers as you minister to Kyle and Mandy and the rest of the family in the days ahead. Like why, what motivates Randy, who I may talk to once every two years, what motivates Randy to say that to me? Jesus. Like everything here is just just rooted and grounded in Christ. And why is that? Because in this season, we know the only hope we have, the only reason to put a smile on our face is Christ. And it's incredible. Verse 4. Uh, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. The word one here is a Greek word that's also translated as agreement and single and common. I want to, like, zero in on that idea, common. Um, I think... Initial reaction is, is we have something in common with someone, and that's not what the essence of this word is getting at. The essence is, is common. We share something. We share a heart. We share a life that Christ has given to us. We, it's, it's our commonality. I, I want you to see the oneness of the church and I want you to see the commonality and that's like our language is just so weak to communicate ideas like to share a heart to think about literally sharing the thing that gives us life this is what it means to be one to literally share the thing that gives us life and that's the church has that. There's, there's division in churches. There's gossip in churches. There's backbiting in churches. There's ugly, ugly in churches. But at its heart, we have this commonality. So let's, I want to I read verse 5 um, again. So we, though many, are one body sharing one body, the thing that gives us life we share, and it's Christ. And we are individually members of one another. I want you to just sit on that phrase, one body in Christ. One body in Christ. Listen to that phrase. We, though many, are one body in Christ. 
feel the urge to pray. Bear with me a second. We're not finished yet. Don't get excited. God, thank you so much that you have made us one body in Christ. God, I thank you for your son. God, he is our only hope. He is our only life. He is our only prospect for happiness and joy and peace. God, teach us that we share with everyone, every member of the church, Christ. We are one. God, teach us that. Allow that to just permeate every aspect of who we are. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, God has an incredible creation called the church, and it's doing exactly what he wants it to do. The church is filled with people who sin. The church is filled with people who fail. The church is filled with people who hurt. And this is the hard thing. The church is filled with people who die. And it sucks. All of those things are terrible. But the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, it's also full of people who are redeemed and love and serve and live. It's incredible. And God has created this thing that has such unbelievable ability to just be ugly. But it has such unbelievable ability to be beautiful. And it's when it's most beautiful when we are like Christ. The church is full of people who sin, fail, hurt, and die. But it's full of people who are redeemed, who love, who serve, and live. I want to read slowly the next four verses and talk just a little bit about them. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Let me, before I keep going, I just want you to be reminded of Christ. This is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has placed Jesus inside of you. And everything that I will read to you right now is completely possible inside of you because of Christ and Christ alone. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. And that's a beautiful phrase for you in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of great. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Do you see Jesus? Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. See Jesus. Be fervent in spirit. See Jesus. Serve the Lord. See Jesus. Verse 12. This is perhaps the most beautiful thing you'll hear today. Rejoice in hope. Man, last night, um, do my best to get through this. Bear with me. Um, last night, I'm talking to Kathy, Megan's mom, and uh, talking about hope and what an incredible gift hope is. And the command for us, make no mistake, this is a command for you. Rejoice in hope. I want to. I want you to be able to hold and, and see and feel hope. It's not some cross your fingers. It's, it's a confident expectation of a fact that is to come. Kathy said this to me last night. I pictured Udell. Udell is Megan's grandfather, who was an incredible man who built this school and built a church down the road. Um, the, the beautiful picture that this week has is, is his legacy. She said, I pictured Udell meeting her and saying, let me take you to see Jesus. And like, that's the, like the cynic in me wants to say, roll my eyes or something, but the, the beautiful part that I want us to see is, is not just the fact that that likely happened, but that a mom who just lost her daughter clings to something like that. And that, that is the, that's the very definition of hope. And it's the very thing that we all hold. It's incredible. The gift that hope is, is so beautiful and so incredible. And it's personified in ways that, that only tragedy can personify. To see a mom proclaim that, we can, it's so good. It's worthy of being excited about. And like this whole, these three phrases in this verse, rejoice in hope. And I hope that you can, you can see Kathy and the family and others around rejoice, like so excited, so glad that God has given this, them this thing called hope. And then be patient in tribulation. Yeah, what needs to be said? Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. You're looking for something to do, to be, to cling to. This Romans 12, 12 is perfect. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Um, I want to end with this thought. This is something that, uh, that Jeff wrote on our North Church Facebook page this week. It says, this is 
also a call to pray. Praying is not merely something we offer when we can't give money or can't give our time to help. Prayer is more powerful than anything else we can do. Through Christ's death and resurrection, we have direct access to God, to the God of the universe, who is still sovereign even in tragedy and loss. So please take time to pray for Kyle and Mandy and their family, for Nathan and his family, for precious Eileen Kate. What an incredible opportunity we have to call upon the Lord for the sake of this family. I would encourage you as you do this, to, as you pray for the family, to pray that all of our eyes would be open to the beauty of the gospel because it's so evident here. It's not, this isn't, this isn't about the death of a new mom. That's the context of the story. What this is about is, is the beauty of your Savior who makes a horrifically terrible, unimaginably awful thing beautiful. And that's the gospel. An unimaginably, horrifically terrible, awful thing is made beautiful by a sovereign and incredible Jesus. And everything that is him, his very essence, is offered to every one of us, regardless of who or where we've been or who or where we are. It's offered freely, completely to you. Hope. Secure. It's beautiful. Let's, uh, let's pray and sing some songs of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being good. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us what it looks like to, to throw aside self-interest and pride and come to serve and love and die. God, you are so incredible to send your son, Jesus, and, and to weave your gospel through tragic events in our lives, Father. And I pray, God, that as we, as, as the nearness of this pain subsides and we gain perspective and it's in our rear view, Father, I pray that we would continue to press into your gospel, Father. And we would go and be the gospel, Lord. And know and preach the gospel to our own hearts. Lord, you are so perfect and so beautiful and you have sovereignly ordained us to go and be the church, Father. God, I pray for each of us that we would understand and know how and where God is calling us to go and be the gospel in our context, Lord, and give us the courage to go and be that. It's so easy to see in a context of a funeral or a memorial service, God, how we need to be bringers of peace and hope, Father. But you teach us those same messages in the mundane of our lives. God, allow this tragedy to do that to us. Thank you so much for Jesus. God, allow us now in these next few minutes to rejoice in hope. By the power of Christ, I pray. Amen.